Welcome back to another edition of Billy West Live. It's my great pleasure again to welcome Dr. Greg Granger back to the program. Dr. Granger is a political science professor at Northwestern State University and a regular on the program. Greg, welcome back to Billy West Live. Good morning, Billy. It's good to hear from you. Hope all is well. Thank you very much, Greg. Uh, lots of things in the news with politics daily, uh, it seems like, but the big news lately is Facebook. Uh, and the testimony yesterday of the whistleblower from Facebook. Uh, needed to get your thoughts quickly uh, on that uh, burgeoning <laughs> dispute, yeah. and uh, it's going to get worse. Tell me your thoughts, Greg. Well, yes, I certainly think this is not over. Uh, we've got some, some ways to go to figure out exactly what's going on, and in particular in terms of legal culpability. I think that's where this is heading is uh, were crimes essentially committed by Facebook. And so, you know, the way I think about it is like there are two Facebooks, right? There's one where memories are shared and puppies find a home, you know, people get concert tickets, things like that. Uh, but the other side of Facebook is, is what I would call a noise machine, right? And it amplifies very unhealthy tensions among people. Uh, so the question is, the way I, I bring it up is, we can look at Facebook one of two ways. And so the big question is which way is accurate? One is simply as a pipeline, as a conduit, as, as they say, a platform uh, on which people's voices are heard. And some of those voices are from bad people saying bad things. Um, and so it's just a place where this happens. And that's sort of where Facebook stands uh, in, in terms of how they define this. Uh, the, you know, and say there's 3 billion people here we can't control them all. But the other side, and I think the darker, more important question is whether Facebook is more than just a pipeline for people's voices, whether it is actively shaping communication. And in particular, it's shaping communication in such a way uh, that benefits itself, obviously, in, in terms of profit and money making, but also undermines uh our society, really, our democracy, but also our relations with one another. Uh, we've all seen in the last few years, friendships fall apart and all this other thing. So that's, to me, the important question. If it is an agent actively guiding and triggering certain emotional responses, which is what some of these this whistleblower is saying, that Facebook essentially had a policy of generating uh, highly emotional content and because that keeps people online that keeps people clicking and that makes their money and so you know um does that include first of all you know spray disinformation not just not just mistakes not misinformation but actual false information that can come in many cases from foreign actors and from domestic actors and transnational um that again you know really reach to our our are topics of national security. Uh, it's one point you know we can talk about is the range of topics that this broader topic covers, from teenage anorexia, teenage problems, as we heard about. The whole point of the um, committee yesterday was children, essentially, and, and where they stand in all of this. Um, but all the way up to national security and the manipulation of our of our elections and our our media. Our, our, our attempt to to stay informed um 
So this is this is important stuff, I'm afraid, and we'll have to see where it goes. It's I, interesting. I agree. You know, you and I have had some philosophical discussions about free speech. Uh, political speech. I, I've made comments to you about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd like to say and like to think that I'm almost an absolutist when it comes to free speech. In other words, I think there should be just about everything out there so long as it doesn't harm children and let people make their own decisions. But this is sort of changing my opinion because this is driving negative messages and reinforcing negative messages to people who basically want to receive negative messages. And in the political forum, I don't think that's good for democracy. It's, we've got to address it somehow, but this is going to be incredibly hard to define a solution. Right. And if we define democracy broadly, not just our election processes, but you know how we conduct ourselves in society on a daily basis and, and the trust in institutions that is necessary, um, when we get these institutions corrupted with disinformation and conspiracies that simply have no basis in reality. And then you have this company, you know, a private publicly owned company, uh, publicly in the sense of selling stock. And so that's makes them more culpable in a way. Uh, they're not just a, a family type organization. This is a massive corporation. And so having this powerful entity, as we say, actually guide the outcomes, not just allow them to happen. Like you say, it's free speech. I have a right to listen or to say what I want. But what if they're the one choosing who hears what I say and what I hear? And that becomes very important. And, you know, like I said, Facebook seems to want to say that they've done more than anybody else. They've removed these hundreds of thousands of sites. Uh, whether it's extremists on the political side of things, whether it's the, the protecting children, uh, whatever it may be, they keep coming up. But to me, what I've seen is the same statements over and over. We do more than anyone else. We've rebuilt all these sites. None of that answers the question. And this brings us to my first point about culpability. Right. Did they lie to their investors? Did they lie to the Securities and Exchange Commission in their reports? And did they lie to Congress? Because yeah, in each of these circumstances, yes. they say, you know, uh, we do not do X. And yet these, you know, these documents um, that the, the whistleblower brought out, they seem to say otherwise. Yeah. You know, and, and did Zuckerberg lie in his direct testimony to Congress either late last year or early this spring? Uh, you know, th those are interesting questions that... that that'll have to come. You know, I'm, I'm, I'd like to get your thoughts. You know, when Donald Trump was removed from certain apps of Twitter, um, Facebook, and, and, and different uh, mediums, I mean, th they took away his megaphone in a lot of ways because, quote, he had violated their um, service agreement. You know, everybody has to sign up and click and say you agree to the, the, the service agreement because it's a private company. Well, who's telling them what they can then publish. I mean, I, I, a lot of people had a problem with taking away Trump's microphone last year. The reasoning was it was dangerous things he was saying. That was the justification for it. Right or wrong, agree or not, that's what they said because it was a private company. But who's policing them? That's the question. That is, it is. And, uh, you know, are there any more of these internal documents that point to more than what they just said? You know, is it a violation of their terms and can they point to that specifically or was it something more um you know i think too much too many people got distracted when that happened by claiming it was a first amendment situation as though it were the government censoring 
the president. And it, that's not what censoring is. It is a private corporation. It has a right. It has some rights, uh, you know, to, to dictate who is a member of it and who is not. But again, what is the motivation behind that, particularly in terms of politics and elections? And it'd be interesting to see if any more whistleblowers come out and with more documents that maybe point to that. Uh, I think there's, let's just say, some open questions about it. Um, yeah. I, I tend to say they had a right to do that, just like they have a right to kick me off. But was there more to it? That's what we don't know. Well, and I tend to agree with you completely on what you just said, but it's a very difficult uh, challenge that Congress has in front of it now. But they, they've got to take some action, in my view. I don't know what the solution is. Uh, it's a very difficult uh, problem. Well, you know, in, in politics, next, you know, when people have... Be more investigation. There are eight yeah. complaints filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Yeah. And, uh, and, very specific filings saying that he said Zuckerberg told Congress Facebook has not profited from disinformation. That seems to be contradicted by these documents or by this testimony. But again, the testimony has to be verified. The documents have to be put in context. So there's still there's still a ways to go on this. Well, her testimony, the, the, the most powerful part of her testimony was that they changed their algorithm, um, both before, right. before the election, after the election, before the January 6th riots, insurrection, whatever you want to call it, and then after that. If they did that and they can prove that, and it was done to incite uh, some of the violence that occurred on January 6th, no matter what side of that issue you're on, th- th- that's got to be checked somehow. I mean, we if they're sure. manipulating Absolutely. people. And, yeah. and, you know, and let's, let's also remember this is global. You know, this is the, we're talking yes. about our situation with good reason, but there are other countries that's going to be looking at this stuff too. And we might be reminded that an international court did prosecute radio DJs in Rwanda for genocide because of what they were putting out on their platform. So, there, again, the legal culpability here goes from filing to the SEC all the way up to national security issues and international security. So, like I said, this is, this is far from over. Well, and it gets really, really gray when you start talking about, you know, Fox News, CNN, again, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, but but the opinions that have come out of, quote, news nowadays, I mean, they're driving messages to people who like those messages already. That, you know, we don't have Walter Cronkite delivering the news. Me and you had this debate before. This sure. is where this debate um, has sure, to go. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah. at least broadcast news is regulated by FCC. We have some some controls over that. But this this, again, what is... Facebook. Is it a media? Is it a publisher? We haven't truly defined it. Yeah, and, and it, it's a challenge, Greg, and that's why I wanted to get you on just to talk about this and then have our, our, our listeners engage and listen to this debate and really think about, I'm like you, I like, I'm on Facebook. I, I don't Facebook a lot, but I, I keep up with lost dogs and friends and college buddies and reunions, that kind of thing. That's basically what I use it for. But a lot of people use it for sinister purposes. Right. And I just don't know if they just have too much time on their hand or what's going on. I don't know how people have time for all that anger, but there's a lot of it out there. And again, free speech is free speech. Unpopular ideas have protections. But is the company of Facebook doing more uh, to propagate that rather than just allow it to happen. That's, I think, going to come down to it. And once again, the, the more specific question, did they lie about it uh, to people that they really shouldn't be lying to? So that's, I think that's where we're going to look at next. 
Well, as a, as a political science professor and someone who looks at the, the history of elections and and studies these things, I mean, I, I, I'm going to be very interested to see how this shakes out because, look, in political campaigns, we all expect either the negative ads or a candidate to, quote, puff his particular position, make it sound better than it actually is or not as bad as people actually think it is. I mean, that's politics, and, and the voters sure. need to decide and filter through that and make an informed decision. But if people are driving messages to certain groups, that's where it really gets gray for me. And, and I'm more, sure. again, on the absolutist end of that. The, the, the voters should make the decision and figure out who's lying to them. But the problem is they're getting force-fed false information. Right, right, and uh, that it's hard. I, I think you have to go to the culpability issue, and not just the receiver end of it. I mean, the, the Facebook users don't have to be on Facebook, or you know, we have choices in life. But we know these that these algorithms have a psychological trigger. We know that they have emotional triggers uh, in the way that they're designed, and the timing, and like you say, how they're changed over over specific times. Uh, it's, and that is the important issue here is not just allowing something to happen, but pushing it to happen. And, well, as we saw, you know, it's not just rhetoric here. This is actually reality. This is violence happening in, in society. And, and so this, like I said, it's up to the SEC now. It's up to Congress now. Uh, I think I would not be surprised if we see uh, foreign governments start to investigate this more. And, um, you know, next chapter we'll see well one of the reasons i started this podcast uh you know was to try to promote discussion healthy discussion non-divisive discussion and to have people talk to each other now you've heard me use the phrase we talk past each other now instead of to each other we yell a particular viewpoint at, at somebody who we think disagrees with us as opposed to talking and engaging and coming up with a compromise or a solution that's good for the collective whole. That's what our democracy, in, in my view, was founded on, is compromise and an ability to figure out how to do something that's good for everybody. This goes straight to the heart of that discussion and why I started this podcast. Well, I appreciate the chance to, to come on and... Uh you know, I look forward to your other interviews. I think it's it's been a success. Well, I appreciate it, Greg. And as always, it's very educational to listen to you. And I, I appreciate you coming on. I, I'd, I'd like to have you back on soon as we monitor this uh, this situation with Facebook. And Dr. Greg Granger has been our guest again on Billy West Live. And as political science teacher at Northwestern State University, I really appreciate your perspective, Greg, and want to continue to get your viewpoints. Thank you so much for joining us again on Billy West Live. Thanks, Greg. Okay, man. Thanks, y'all. Have a great day. Yeah, appreciate you.